turning your Bibles to John chapter 18. As you read it, you can have an opportunity also to see it. This is the today's English version, a movie that was in the theaters a few years ago called The Gospel of John. After Jesus had said this prayer, he left with his disciples and went across Kidron Brook. There was a garden in that place, and Jesus and his disciples went in. Judas, the traitor, knew where it was, because many times Jesus had met there with his disciples. So Judas went to the garden, taking with him a group of Roman soldiers and some temple guards sent by the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were armed and carried lanterns and torches. Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward and asked them, Who is it you are looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. Judas the traitor was standing there with them when Jesus said to them, I am he. They moved back and fell to the ground. Again, Jesus asked them, Who is it you're looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I have already told you that I am he. If then you are looking for me. Let these others go. He said this so that what he had said might come true. Father, I have not lost even one of those you gave me. Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave, cutting off his right ear. The name of the slave was Malchus. Put your sword back in its place. Do you think that I will not drink the cup of suffering which my father has given me? Then the Roman soldiers, with their commanding officer and the Jewish guards, arrested Jesus, tied him up, and took him first to Annas. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jewish authorities that it was better that one man should die for all the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. That other disciple was well known to the high priest, so he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest's house, while Peter stayed outside by the gate. Then the other disciple went back out, spoke to the girl at the gate, and brought Peter inside. 
Aren't you also one of the disciples of that man? No. I'm not. It was cold, so the servants and guards had built a charcoal fire and were standing around it, warming themselves. So Peter went over and stood with them, warming himself. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have always spoken publicly to everyone. All my teaching was done in the synagogues and in the temple where all the people come together. I have never said anything in secret. Why then do you question me? Question the people who heard me. Ask them what I told them. They know what I said. How dare you talk like that to thy priest? If I have said anything wrong, tell everyone here what it was. But if I am right in what I have said, why do you hate me? Then Annas sent him, still tied up, to Caiaphas, the high priest. Peter was still standing there, keeping himself warm. So the others said to him, Aren't you also one of the disciples of that man? No, I am not. But Peter denied it. One of the high priest's slaves, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, spoke up. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? No. And at once, a rooster crowed. A few years ago for Thanksgiving, we went to Houston. And on a rare occasion, all my siblings were there. There's four of us in our family. Uh, Eighteen days after I turned four, the fourth child was born in our home. So we were really close in age, and we had a good time. And the highlight of that festivity was we watched my parents' slides. My little brother happened to have all my parents' slides. We were raised without television, so our entertainment as kids was watching slideshows. So we went down memory lane together, and it was amazing the different stories that each of us had about the same things. Things we didn't know, things we had forgotten, or things that didn't stand out to us that stood out to, you know, my brother or my sister. And so it was a fun time. Similarly, we have four biographies of Jesus that record this night that he was betrayed. And if you read all four of them, you get a close picture of what happened, a more accurate picture. For instance, him denying Jesus three times before the rooster crowed, um, one of the Gospels actually said, Jesus said, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me thrice. So that being the case, Peter didn't heed the warning with the first rooster crow, and it took another one for him to, to get the message. And so we're going to look closely at this and then glean some truth from this passage. Verse 1 said, when Jesus had spoken these words, chapter 17, he had been praying. Uh, then he went with his disciples after this prayer over the brook Kidron. This was a brook during rainy season. Otherwise, it was just a, a low place or a valley where there was a garden which he and his disciples in, entered. We know that as a garden of Gethsemane. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. 
It's believed by scholars that this is where they stayed when they came to Jerusalem. This is where they would sleep. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. We're not sure what a detachment was, but a cohort would have been like five or six hundred troops. They had a bunch. Because earlier, you can read about this in an earlier chapter in John, they tried to arrest Jesus and he miraculously got away from them. So they were armed to the teeth and they had plenty of soldiers to capture this guy. Verse 4, Jesus therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, he wasn't in the dark, he knew what was happening, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Now we know from another gospel, Judas had kissed him to identify him. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. A good translation will have the pronoun he in italics. Because he didn't say I am he, but he literally said that name, that is God's name. I am. When he was walking on the sea, he said, be not afraid, it is I. Literally he said, be not afraid, I am. When God commissioned Moses to set his people free, he said, tell them, I am sent you. There is a legend in Hebraic literature that says, when Pharaoh heard I am for the first time, he fell down. Can't prove that biblically, though. So he says, I am. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with him. Now when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. They literally landed on their backs on the ground. I checked the original language. It's like the word used for a bird landing. When a bird lands, it's on the ground. It's not hovering above the ground or bouncing off the ground. They landed on the ground to the point they were there, laying there. Then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And as they're picking themselves up, I'm sure, they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. (laughs) He declares his deity at the time of his arrest. He demonstrates his power, letting them know, I'm letting you guys do this. I have told you I am. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the same might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. That's a quote from his prayer in the previous chapter. He was determined not to lose any of his disciples. And no doubt would have used his power to have seen to it. And so whatever momentum they had, they were thrown off by falling to the ground against their will. Verse 10, Then Simon Peter, having a sword drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Now, if Peter was left-handed, he'd be swinging his sword this way. It would make sense that Malchus would duck this way. But if he was right-handed, either possibly he jumped on this guy, but I don't think he was aiming for the ear. I think he was aiming for the head. He wasn't like, I'm going to commit an earectomy here. He was going for a headectomy cut his ear off. Now, according to Luke, Jesus stepped up and healed the ear, demonstrating his power here at his arrest. 
which is amazing. Because, you know, people who are angry, people who are determined, they're just blind. They filter out everything that contradicts what they think they need to do. It's called stubbornness. It's called sin. Sin blinds you, costs you more than you want to pay, takes you further than you want to go, keeps you longer than you planned on staying. Sin just makes you stupid. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup of which my Father has given me? He's come to drink the cup of sin. He's come to become our offering. Peter, what do you do? Another one of the Gospels records that he said, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Our faith for protection cannot be in all of our security systems. Ultimately, we have to trust Him. Amen? He also said, I could call 12 legions of angels. Yesterday, I looked up what a legion is. Biblically, it said it just means a whole lot. Possibly a thousand. But in the Roman army, a legion was 6,000 soldiers. Legion is a military term. Anybody heard of the American Legion? So if it was 6,000 angels times 12, what is that? 72,000 angels, possibly. And if one angel in the Old Testament killed over 100,000 people one night, how much destruction could 72,000 do? Take the world. So he's being arrested not because of weakness, but because of power, because of the purpose to which he committed himself. He prayed, Father, not my will, thine be done. And he was committed to seeing that done. Verse 12. Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. They put some puny handcuffs on him. How ridiculous. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was a father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now, there was a priestly rotation, but it's believed that Annas actually was deposed by the Romans. He had lost some power, but no doubt he's still running things behind the scene like the godfather over the mafia. He had a religious system going on that was making some money. So it's interesting to me that Jesus goes to him first. Maybe he was upset about that temple cleansing because Annas was benefiting from that money-making venture they had going on there in the court of Gentiles. Now, it was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Caiaphas, earlier in John, unknowingly had prophesied. God's awesome. His enemies are working for him. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. We don't know who that disciple is. We guess it might be John, because John seems to have aversion to naming himself in the book. If it was John, maybe he had sold fish from Galilee to the high priest's family. We don't know. Verse 17, Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers 
who had made a fire of coal, stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly in the world. I also taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Now catch this. This is a judge, Annas, acting like a prosecutor, and there's no witnesses. So he's bringing an accusation, demanding that Jesus be a witness for himself. So Jesus calls his bluff. They're doing this thing at night, which was illegal. They're rushing a conviction in less than 24 hours, which is illegal. They're, they're breaking the law of Moses left and right, and yet we'll see next Sunday or the Sunday following, they don't want to make themselves unclean by going into Pilate's judgment hall. Just a bunch of hypocrites is what they all are. So Jesus challenges them, hey, get some witnesses. When he had said these things, verse 22, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, do you answer the high priest like that? You know, some people with authority just think that their authority is unlimited. But we all are under authority, are we not? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. Now check this out. Verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, it's probably Malchus' cousin, did I not see you in the garden with him? Now, mind you, it was dark, and, you know, they, they have lanterns and torches, and so the light they have is flickering. But Peter made himself pretty obvious that night, swinging that sword attacking his relative. Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Another gospel says that Peter went out and wept. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I ask you, Lord, to bring life to us. In Jesus' name, amen. On this night, Jesus was betrayed, he was slapped, and he was denied. But I would like to focus on his being betrayed. Can we say Jesus is betrayed? To be betrayed, he was betrayable. And you can't be betrayed by anyone. It has to be someone close to you. Look at the definition of the word betrayed. In the Greek language, it's the word paradidomi, which means to betray or to deliver. So you can paradidomi suit that you made to somebody, or you can parodidomy a close friend to the police by betraying them. It means to deliver a person or thing, to be kept by another, to deliver over treacherously by way of betrayal. It's two words together, compound word. Para is the word that means up or near to or by or with or beside or close, alongside or from. Uh, we have this word often in English. You get paragraph, words by each other. You get paraclete, which is a Greek word for the Holy Spirit. He's our friend or our comforter, someone who's beside us. You get parachurch ministry, like focus on the family. They work with local churches to help strengthen marriages. 
You get parasite, <laughs> something beside us to suck life from us. And then the other word is didomai or didomi. It means to give over, to cast, to throw, to offer in sacrifice or to expose. You put the two words together, you get betrayal. This is what betrayal is. Getting close to someone or being close to someone and then throwing off that someone. That's betrayal. To be near someone and then to do away with that person and cause that person harm. For whatever reason. Maybe you're angry or in Judas's case for personal gain. This is why betrayal hurts someone close to you. A stranger cannot betray you. They might seek revenge on you or vengeance on you or commit a crime against you, but they're not going to get to your heart like a friend can. The saddest thing about betrayal is that it never comes from your enemies. They can't betray you. It's when a friend becomes an enemy. This is what Judas did to Jesus. Here's some facts about his betrayal. Number one, Jesus knew it was going to happen, and he knew who was going to do it. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed, Matthew 17. The Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and scribes, Matthew 1. He knew it was going to happen. And as we run through this little list of facts about the Lord's betrayal, you may see yourself in it if you've ever been betrayed. If you've not been betrayed, thank the Lord, but familiarize yourself with these things because biblically, in the world, you'll have tribulation. Someone may betray you one day. Judas Iscariot used intimate knowledge to betray. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, John 18, 2, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Nobody knew where he was, but Judas did. He took him to. So people will use knowledge they have about you because they're close to you. And if they're betraying you, they'll use that knowledge for personal benefit. He betrayed with a kiss. He pretended to care about Jesus, but he really cared about himself. So he faked love. What a, what a, it's twisted. I mean, it's bad. It's sin. It's sin. The whole thing surrounding the arrest of Jesus was an exposure of sin. He wasn't just killed. He was killed in an atmosphere of rampant sin, out of control. To pay the price so that we could be forgiven. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Sin blindness. Number four, Judas did it for personal gain. In his case, it was for money. Someone may betray you to seek favor from somebody. To kiss up to some authority that may give them a promotion, they'll betray you on the job. Judas Iscariot was given 30 pieces of silver for Jesus. Taking the money, he agreed to betray him. And he began to look for the way to do it. And at the Last Supper, he left the table to go tell the guys, Hey, hey, I know where they're going to be. I know what's going to happen. Number five, he knew that Jesus was totally innocent. When people are on a quest to betray for whatever reason, it's not because you're guilty. Now, none of us are perfect, but they'll use your imperfections against you. 
knowing you're innocent of what they're doing. Judas' betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Oops. Oftentimes, the people that betray you don't mean for the damage to become as great as it can become. Well, I didn't mean for it to go this far. Thinking somehow that justifies. You know what we do? We often judge ourselves by our intentions, not by our actions. But when you sin, it does a whole lot more than what you think it's going to do. So if you're tempted to betray someone, go and confess it to the person and say, Look, help me, i got a problem. You and I need to talk. Judas did not intend the consequences. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, Matthew 27, 4. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. In other words, that's your problem. Deal with it. We gave you the money, boy. You guys are like the mafia. So he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. They picked up the money, but you know what they said? Oh, this is blood money. We can't use this. And they're so ceremonial obsessed, not looking at the fact they they were convicting an innocent man. No, God forbid that they do something wrong with this money. So they bought a field. Fulfilled prophecy. Number seven, Judas' evil actions led to his self-destruction. He went out and hung himself. And it was not a pretty hanging. Hanging is never pretty, but it was a nasty one. Acts 1 says that he fell headlong and burst open in the middle, and his entrails gushed out. And you know what buzzards do when things like that happen. Until his carcass was removed and buried, it was just a horrible ending. People are on a quest to betray others and sin against them. They don't get by with it. Not good. That's why we're to, we're to pray for those who curse us. Bless those who curse us. Pray for them. Because the consequences of their sin is not going to be good. Not going to be good. It might just be blindness and stupidity for the rest of their life. Sitting in some cell somewhere saying, I'm not guilty, I'm not guilty. Meanwhile, they are, but they're blind to it. But the whole thing of sin is the danger is you can do what the Bible calls sear your conscience like with a hot iron where you don't have feelings anymore. Cold-blooded. Or those chickens can come home to roost and hit you with such remorse. No doubt demons were involved in this. Take away your will to live and self-destruction could be the result. Number eight, Jesus used his betrayal to bring resurrection. Look at what he said. The Son of Man must, can we say must, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. That word delivered is paradidum. Literally he said the Son of Man must be betrayed. God is so awesome, even the wicked are working for him. In fact, Proverbs says, God made all things for himself, even the wicked, for the day of doom. He is in control. So the injustice you may be experiencing, hold on. 
keep your trust in Him and pray for the wicked people because they're going to need it. He couldn't rise again unless He was killed. He couldn't be killed unless He was sinned against. Because He did it for sin, He allowed it. He allowed the sin, just the sin in man, just to be displayed, starting with His betrayal. But thank God, good came out of it. Good came out of his betrayal. Judas' suicide is really a tragedy. Jesus died for the sins of the world. Judas missed out. What to do if you're betrayed? You will be betrayed. Number one, know that you too will be betrayed. You will be. It's bound to happen. Jesus said in Matthew 24:10, talking about the last days, many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one brother will turn against brother, children against parents. It's going to happen. The day in which we live. So the, why me? Doesn't cut it. Like, oh, this is what he was talking about. It's no fun. And when it happens, keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, one of my favorite passages. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He went through betrayal for the sake of the joy that was that was before him. He went through that difficult trial. So He is our example. We identify with Him. We taste the fellowship of His sufferings when we're betrayed. Let that betrayal make you draw closer to the Lord. He promised to be near the brokenhearted. He is. He cares. So you can grow in your walk with Christ through this. Be sure that what you perceive is real. We say real feel like maybe some or maybe a person here today if I didn't hit this point you might leave her thinking yep I'm being betrayed yes sir I am and go around accusing someone of betraying you that maybe didn't betray you people do disappoint you people do sin people do wrong but it does not necessarily mean they're betraying you well, why does it feel like I'm betrayed because somebody betrayed you in the past, and there may be some unhealed hurts there, and this reminds you of that. feels just like that. What you believe determines how you feel. If we were to get word in this service that someone you're close to was rushed to the emergency room, and it was a total lie, but you believed it, you would have all the emotions you would have if it was true. Right? So feelings are not necessarily determined by truth. They're determined by what we believe. And so if you believe you're betrayed when you haven't been betrayed, you're still going to have all the emotions you would have as though you were betrayed. But main key to overcoming this is letting God heal you and bring you to the place where you can totally forgive the people in the past that have betrayed you so that the current disappointment can be looked at for what it is, for what it really is. The lamp of the body is the eye. Jesus said in Matthew 6.22, If therefore your eye is good, can we say good? 
Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, can we say bad? Your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, we all think we walk in 24-7, 20-20 vision, but that's not true. Sometimes we're just seeing things wrong. We're not seeing things for the way they really are. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about the weapons of our warfare, and part of those weapons is to come against what the, what the King James Version calls imaginations. To walk in spiritual victory, we must live in the real world, fighting the real war and not perceived conflict. I hope this is helping somebody. So it's okay to tell the person that hurt you, you made me feel betrayed, but don't go, you betrayed me. It just creates a whole nother. It just makes conflict way more difficult than it has to be. Well, by all means, if someone's hurting you, tell them. Don't crawl into the closet and just be hurting. Do something. Next point, pursue healing from past betrayals. Pursue healing. Jesus is all about healing our broken hearts. He read his mission statement in Nazareth in the synagogue on the Sabbath one day. He read from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Well, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and my heart's still broken. Well, access the fullness of what he has available. He has the Holy Bible, there's promises here for you to pray about and to ask for. We have the Holy Spirit. He's here to help us and to comfort us. And we have the holy people, one another. Confess your weaknesses, James said, and pray for one another that you may be healed. Get healed of that. You know, if you get a rock in your shoe, what will you do? You take it out. Get an eyelash in your eye, what do you do? get a wound in your heart, what do we do? We hold on to it. We nurse it. Don't nurse it. Disperse it. Bring it out in the light. Get healed. And surrender to His Lordship every day. Betray or not, we need to let Him be Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord every day. And finally, remember that all things, we say all things, all things work together for good. Romans 8.28. Do not ever allow someone to explain Romans 8.28 away. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. It doesn't mean all things are good, but all things work together for good. For good. You may not be in the good yet. You may be in the yuck and the bad, but hold on. Don't give up. Don't surrender. The good is coming. He takes our mess and makes a... takes our test and makes a... He takes the awfulness of our sin and reveals the awesomeness of Him. He takes the beggarly elements of this world and shows us the beautiful elements of His world. He takes our crises caused by us and gives us Christ's cause for us. He takes our defeat and despair and gives us dynamic dominion. He takes the effects of our sinful sowing and gives us the effects of His mercy shown. He takes our being fooled by our flesh to being formed by His Spirit. 
He takes the gory details of our mistakes and transforms them into the glorious destiny of His grace. He frees us from the horror of hell and brings us to the holiness of heaven. He heals us of ignorant blindness and gives us eyes that see. Frees us from judgments made, giving us justice served. The killing of our potential to the kindness of His resurrection. The love of the world that hurts us, He gives us the love of God that heals us. Takes our mess and makes a message. A life with no hope and no peace to a life with new hope and knowing peace. From old ways of guilty destruction to one way of guilt-free restoration. From the pain of regret to the payment of redemption. From quivering weakness to quickening power. From being really wrong to being made really right for His imputed righteousness. From having a shame name to being given a new name in the name of one who bore our shame. From the tests that we failed to the testimonies we tell. From an ugly past to an ultimate future. From victimization to victorious vision. From worry to worship. He'll help us exchange the excrements of wickedness to the excellence of Him. From youthful lust to yielded trust. From the zoo of our sin to heaven is zeal with Him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room who has been betrayed or is being betrayed. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them with the fact the story's not over, that everything's going to work out for good. We're being conformed to the image of your Son. And, Father, we pray for those that are not being betrayed, but they feel like they are. I pray, Lord, you'd use this, this experience to show them where they need to be healed and bring them to a place of healing. And I pray, Lord, for those of us that are being tempted to betray someone, either out of anger or hurt or personal gain in some weird way, I pray, Lord, you convict us of our sin, bring us to an end of ourselves so we don't do that. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray that we would walk in victory. In light of your betrayal, we would be free of betrayal and not committed ourselves and be healed when it's committed against us. Lord, help us to be people of victory in this day and this hour of darkness.
Yeah. Declare who you are. 